Good morning, everyone from here in London, and welcome to today's webinar where we are officially launching the sixth edition of the Smart Centres Index. And I'm joined today by Mike Wardle, who is our CEO and head of the indices program at ZN. And for those of you who are new in the audience, the SCI was developed as part of our Distributed Futures program and designed to track the technology and financial centres across the world in support of their readiness for new technology applications. Now, my name is Peter Welsh, a consultant at ZN and program manager at the FS Club. I spend most of my time behind the screen arranging these webinars, but it's a pleasure to be able to share this webinar today myself. Before we go any further, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors. You can see up here on the screen, they let us range widely and freely across technology, economics and finance, and the SCI fits nicely into all of those categories. So moving on to the agenda, um, my job is to get out of the way as quickly as I can and hand over to our expert, Mike. But before I do that, some housekeeping notes for you all. The slides are available to download in the chat and on the website, and you'll also find in there a link to the Smart Centers Index 6, so you can go away and have a read yourself. And I highly recommend doing that after the webinar if you can. Um, we'll be posting a recording of the launch webinar on our website within the next 48 hours so you can share with friends or colleagues. And most importantly, we'll be holding a 20-minute Q&A session after Mike's presentation. So please make sure to send me all of your questions or comments using the GoToWebinar chat function, which you'll be able to find probably towards the kind of right-hand side of your screen there. Um, the messages will all come in to me privately, um, and I'll just feed them into the conversation at the end there. And do feel free to send in your questions while Mike is speaking so I can arrange them ready for our conversation at the end. So I think that's everything I have to run through. Um, so without further ado, Mike, the floor is very much yours. Looking forward to it. Uh, <clears throat> thank you very much, Peter. Um, and welcome to the um, launch of the Smart Centres uh, Index 6. Um, I'm Mike Wardle. I'm the Chief Executive Officer here at CN. Uh, and head of indices looking after our longitudinal research programme, <clears throat> particularly those into uh, financial and commercial centres. Just a reminder of the sort of research uh, field uh, in which we are operating. Um, we run uh, the Global Financial Centres Index, which has been running now continuously uh, since 2007, having first of all been based on research we did in 2005. We're now into the 10th edition of the Global Green Finance Index, um, but this morning we're here to uh, focus on the Smart Centres Index. Um, as Peter mentioned, this, the index is designed to track commercial centres' ability to create, develop and deploy technology. Uh, the aim really is to help investors, governments and regulators uh, view the attractiveness of centres for new technologies and products. Uh, by looking at how attuned centres and their regulatory systems are to attracting innovation and growth um, in the fields of innovation and technology. <clears throat> the Smart Centres Index is a factor assessment index. That means we combine two sets of data uh, in putting together the index. Uh, the first is perception data. We run a survey which is online and runs 24-7, uh, which ask people questions about the uh, commercial and financial centres which they know about. So that set of perception data is one set of uh, the, the data we use. The second set of data is quantitative data, where we take 138 different uh, quantitative measures 
um, and apply them to each of the uh, countries and uh, centers that we're looking at. And we take those two sets of data, the perception data from the survey and quantitative data sets, um, and combine them uh, using a machine learning uh, algorithm um, to uh, come up with the overall rating. And in essence, what we're doing is taking the individual assessments of the centers we're looking at, uh, looking at the correlations between that uh, and the quantitative data that relates to that center. We look at three different aspects uh, when we put together the Smart Centers Index, um, the dimensions as we call them. First of all, innovation support. This is the approach taken to regulation and uh, government or um, ecosystem support for the innovation and technology industry. Uh, second, creative intensity, um, the extent to which um, technology and innovative industries are embedded in the economy of the center, the kind of the depth of uh, technological uh, the technological economy. Uh, third, delivery capability, the quality of the work being undertaken uh, in, in this field in that particular centre. And all three of those dimensions uh, are important aspects of building uh, a centre which is uh, really good in, in the fields of innovation and technology science. Um, the forward for this edition of the SCI is written by Professor Sir Anthony Finkelstein. Um, and the kind of uh, themes that he picks out, first of all, is that innovation technology continue to advance at increasing pace. Novel methods, materials and sensing are transforming uh, the physical sciences. Um, but it's the convergence of scientific capabilities that have led to uh, the greatest steps forward. So it's how do you bring together different disciplines, uh, different uh, developments um, and re-engineer them into uh, new ways of doing things. And finally, that innovation technology are now critical um, in geopolitics, uh, whether in growth and prosperity, security and defense, or health and climate change mitigation, and to contributing to the global goals, including the sustainable development goals. Um, and that sets the, the scene really for uh, the report we're publishing today. So first of all, what do we measure? Who do we measure? Um, there are 75 centres that we feature in um, the Smart Centres Index 6. Uh, you'll see a, there's a, a clump of those um, in Western Europe, uh, another clump in North America, another clump in Asia Pacific, um, and emerging <coughs> groups uh, in the Middle East and Africa, in Latin America, in the Caribbean, uh, and in Eastern Europe and Central Asia. Um, and I'll come on to talk about each of those regions in turn uh, as we move through the index results. By way of headlines, um, first of all, leading US centers show a strong performance uh, in this edition of the index, and Asia-Pacific centers are generally improving in the index, and they have lagged behind uh, in previous editions of the SCI in Asia-Pacific, so it's interesting to see them starting to move up the rankings. New York maintained its first position in the index with London second, uh, but Los Angeles and San Francisco overtook Hong Kong uh, to go into third and fourth place. Um, and that really is, shows the, the, a demonstration of the strength of US centers uh, in this edition of the index. There's five Western European centers featuring in the top 10, three from the US. Uh, Singapore joins Hong Kong in the top 10 among Asia Pacific centers. And following an average increase of 2.3% in the ratings in SCI 5, the average rating in this edition of the index fell by just over 4%. <clears throat> and only four centers rose in the SCI 6 ratings um, and you know, the, the current economic shocks uh, in the world economy will have something to do with that. 
Um, seven centres rose 10 or more ranking places in SCI 6, and just two centres fell 10 or more places. Uh, and out of 75, that shows there's a um, quite, there's not a lot of um, <clears throat> movement and variation um, between additions, um, but there are some strengths and weaknesses shown by individual centres. Just having a quick look at um, the survey uh, respondents um, that contribute to uh, the SCI, uh, the SCI community in effect. First of all, by sector, the uh, largest group um, of people who respond to our survey are those directly involved in technology. Um, and you know, that's good to see. But the second, professional services. And I guess the way that those two interact, uh, the technological sector and the professional services sector, uh, is important to the way that <clears throat> um, new technology is financed um, and structured. Um, by region um, of the world, um, Western Europe um, continues to provide the majority, so, so not the largest group, should I say, of respondents to the questionnaire, with Asia Pacific coming next, North America. Next, and I think this reflects maybe um, the places in the world uh, where technology and innovation are uh, leading in the economy. So, in terms of the overall results, I mentioned New York uh, coming top of the rankings. Um, just noting that uh, Cambridge and Oxford in the UK come ninth and tenth, and we continue to debate whether we uh, should treat these centres as separate. Um, because they are in sometimes thought of as part of the Golden Triangle with London uh, in terms of the ecosystem of the UK. At the moment, we're uh, holding them separate. Um, and then some interesting um, you know, centres coming into the um, top 20. Um, we see Malta um, performing very well, considering the size of its economy. Uh, Tel Aviv, perhaps unsurprisingly, in the top 20. Um, and uh, in, in this edition of the index, uh, Tokyo uh, and Toronto moving up quite a number of places to come into the top 20. Um, so really good performances uh, from all of those centres. Looking at the leading centres over time, um, and the, the kind of trend here, uh, the first thing to say is that New York has uh, fallen back a bit in terms of its relative position uh, to London. Um, and you know, the competition between those two centres um, for innovation technology is very close. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, Los Angeles and San Francisco um, have been moving up consistently uh, and have overtaken Hong Kong uh, in this edition of the index. Um, but our top five centres uh, really are the leading edge um, of the uh, innovation economy uh, at the moment. I mentioned the three dimensions of innovation support, creative intensity and delivery capability, um, and we track each of these separately um, for the centres uh, in the index. Um, and you'll see that leading centres generally have a good balance between uh, these factors, um, but there are slight variations. So, for example, again, within that top five, although Los Angeles and San Francisco come above Hong Kong, um, Hong Kong is um, doing better in terms of innovation support. Um, so we can track sort of quite quite close differences uh, between the scores in the dimensions. Um, and we'll come on to uh, what that means in terms of regional variation uh, as we go through. So just taking Western Europe um, in terms of the uh, SCI, uh, these are the top 15 uh, Western European centres uh, by ranking. Um, and you'll see you know, a number of those in the top 20. Outside the top 20, we have Geneva, Stockholm, Brussels, 
Luxembourg, all within the top 30 in the world. Um, overall, there's 27 West European centres um, in SCI 6, uh, with five ranking in the world top 10. Um, 11 centres in the region fell in the rankings, while 16 centres either maintained or improved uh, their rank position. Uh, Gibraltar and Milan uh, rose more than 10 places in this edition. Turning to North America, uh, there's nine North American centres in SCI 6, uh, with three in the world top 10. Um, and we've talked about Los Angeles and San Francisco's performance. Um, but it's just particularly worth noting Toronto and Vancouver both rose uh, more than 10 ranked places. So Canadian centres are starting to move up uh, the index um, alongside their US counterparts. Um, and just it's interesting that apart from Boston, all centres in this region maintained or improved their rank position compared with SCI 5. Um, so North America doing well in terms of its regional performance presently. Looking at the Asia Pacific top 15, um, Hong Kong, Singapore, Tokyo and Shanghai rank in the top 20. Um, only three centres in the region fell in the rankings uh, in SCI 6 and, and Tokyo, Chengdu and Taipei improved more than 10 places. Um, and again, just showing that Asia Pacific is starting to pick up its performance uh, in the SCA, uh, SCI having lagged behind a bit uh, in the past. The other thing to say about Asia Pacific is that overall, uh, generally, um, Asia Pacific centres score lower for innovation support as one of their dimensions than they do for creative intensity. Um, and th as that improves, as the quality of, um, of support and regulation in the economy improves, you'd expect to see Asia Pacific centres continue uh, to rise in the index. Moving to Eastern Europe and Central Asia, um, the centres are shown in, in, <clears throat> in the table here. Uh, Sofia overtook Prague um, as the leading centre of the region, although both of those centres lost ground. And Istanbul was the only centre in Eastern Europe um, and Central Asia to improve its position. Um, Astana entered the SCI for the first time, um, and it'll be interesting to see um, Astana's performance in Kazakhstan uh, as we move forward. In the Middle East and Africa, there are uh, seven centres uh, in the SCI. Um, Tel Aviv leads the position in 14th position, it's down one ranking place from SCI 5. Other leading centres in the region slipped a few ranking places, whereas Johannes Johannesburg uh, moved up eight, eight places. And finally, on the regional um, run through, Latin America and the Caribbean, three centres here. Uh, with Trinidad and Tobago new in SCI 6, uh, Mexico City and Cayman Islands um, have been in the index before. Um, Mexico City fell eight ranked places in SCI 6, Cayman Islands improved six places, recovering some of the ground it lost in SCI 5, um, but on the whole um, reasonably stable uh, within this region. So moving away from the overall index results to some of the uh, further analysis that we're able to do. Um, first of all, talking about the SCI taxonomy, the uh, six areas of competitiveness here, technology, financial services, reputation, business environment, human capital and infrastructure are how we group the quantitative data measures uh, that we build into the SCI. Um, and we're able to use those groupings those areas of competitiveness 
um, to run sub-indices. So alongside the overall SCI results, um, we're able to uh, run the index just using the quantitative measures that relate to that particular area of competitiveness, which gives us uh, a different rank order. Now you'll see that New York and London, um, on the whole, um, come very high um, across the board. Um, so it's the two leading centers in the index. Um, but just looking at reputational and general measures, uh, Lugano, Cambridge and Oxford actually outperform New York and London on, on those measures. Um, and that will be something to do with um, you know, how they are seen um, as you know, being good places uh, to undertake technological innovation. And overall, you'll find that there are other uh, centers uh, which either uh, feature highly or more lowly uh, in the, these particular measures. But for example, for business environment, Oxford and Cambridge um, you know, drop down a few places from their overall ranking uh, in the SCI. Um, other centers perform better uh, in particular areas. So Amsterdam in business environment actually takes third place. Um, Zurich in infrastructure takes uh, fourth place. Um, and so we can start to track um, the individual strengths of, of centers and centers themselves can look at how they might want to uh, develop as they go forward. And this, the kind of technology effect we can see is if we compare the overall rankings in SCI 6 using all the instrumental factors, the quantitative data, and then look at the technology measures, uh, we can see uh, which are the centers which really gain uh, when you just take into account uh, technology data. Uh, New York and London remain the same, but places like Amsterdam uh, moving up 12 places, Luxembourg moving up 16 places from its overall ranking, the SCI, uh, Brussels moving up 12 places, and Toronto, which I mentioned has already come up more than 10 places in the overall rankings, uh, gets an additional boost uh, when you just look at uh, technology factors. Um, so this is the way we can start to pick out uh, centres which are interesting places to look at and potentially to invest in um, from the point of view of technology and innovation. Uh, we also measure uh, what we call reputational advantage. Um, so this is separate from the reputation area of competitiveness I mentioned. This is uh, comparing the overall rating in the SCI um, with the average assessment given uh, to that centre in the SCI survey. And what this effectively measures um, at this uh, positive reputational advantage um, is how far uh, the reputation of a center may well be outstripping the reality um, shown by the quantitative data. Um, so these centers here have a positive reputation advantage, uh, means that they, um, their marketing or the way in which they present themselves um, may well uh, give them a higher score um, than would be the case if we just looked at the quantitative data uh, that underlies the, the index. Uh, at the other end, we have centers with a negative reputational advantage. This means that actually the data shows they are doing uh, reasonably well, uh, but people uh, score them lower in the uh, SCI survey than we think they would do if they uh, knew, knew the data underlying. So these are centers um, which have a good story to tell, um, but aren't as effective so far uh, at getting that story out uh, and marketing uh, the strengths that they have um, to the world more generally. 
We can track um, the regional differences in assessments. This example takes uh, London and Zurich. Um, and we see that uh, what we're tracking here is the, um, the average assessments given in the SCI survey um, to a centre uh, compared, uh, sorry, by, by region. So we'll see here that uh, in the case of London, um, almost 30% of the people who um, assessed London uh, came from Western Europe, but they generally assessed London some 70, 70 points, almost 75 points below the average assessment in the world. Um, other centres generally um, gave London um, a slightly higher than average mark, for example, Asia Pacific, which, where 40% of the people who assess London come from, um, North America, where 16% came from, uh, the 2% the of people who um, assessed London who came from Latin America and the Caribbean uh, assessed London quite well below average. But then compare that with Zurich, um, where 47% uh, of its assessments came from people in Western Europe, and they rate Zurich higher than the average, the global average. People in Asia Pacific and North America, which make up the next 40% um, of assessments, uh, rank Zurich lower. Um, so if I'm working uh, on behalf of London or working on behalf of Zurich, this gives me uh, an indication uh, of where in the world my reputation is high, where it is less high, um, and where I can do work uh, to explain what I'm doing uh, and hopefully uh, shift that reputational uh, view and that perception of what's going on in my city. We're able to look at the correlation between STI-6 and the instrumental factors, that's the quantitative data. Um, and this is the list of the uh, top 10 uh, correlated factors with STI-6. Um, FinTech activity index, so you know, the level of FinTech activity seems to be uh, well correlated um, with you know, technology and innovation more generally. Um, the Global Innovation Index, the Urban Mobility Readiness Index, the Safe Cities Index. So there are a number of um, measures uh, which suggest that if you're doing well in those measures, uh, you'll be doing well in terms of your uh, technology and innovation development. And if we just look at the correlation with the technology factors, um, we see that uh, there's the things like e-government development index, the fintech index, smart city e-participation index. So these are the things, if you are wanting to be um, a smart centre, these are the things that you want to be scoring well in, uh, because this is where your peers um, who are doing well um, are scoring highly. And just a, a brief word, we use this slide um, fairly often in talking about the, the goal of regulation. Um, what we're looking to do is, um, in regulation is to um, avoid low incentives, avoid, avoid high costs of compliance, and make sure that the regulatory um, approach provides optimum support for sustainable innovation. Um, and the places that get this right, uh, we think, are those that will do well. I mentioned right at the beginning, when I was talking about Anthony Finkelstein's forward, that he picked out the pace of technological change as one of the key issues. And we asked people in the SCI survey um, how quickly quantum computers will be able to break current public key encryption. Um, and you know, that hasn't happened yet. But interestingly, within our audience, um, two thirds thought that that would be within five years. 40% of those thought it would be within three years of now. Um, and so amongst our community, at least, um, people see the pace of technological change 
starting to have real world effects on the way in which technology uh, is used in our lives um, over the very short term. Just wanted to um, bring out one, one fact that um, we are sometimes surprised that Chinese centers don't feature as high in the index as might be expected, because if you look at the number of patent applications filed um, by, uh, by country, um, they are well out in front in terms of uh, patent applications. Um, we think this is, as I mentioned, because um, the systems of innovation support um, are not yet as well developed uh, in China as they are in some other parts of the world. Um, but we think that over time, um, that is likely, likely to shift. So thank you very much uh, for your attention. We do have some time for questions. And uh, Peter, over to you. Mike, that was fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for that. It's a fascinating counter through the results of uh, this, uh, this edition of the SCI. Um, I've got a few questions here. Um, it was interesting to hear the uh, the four uh, percent drop overall drop in in ratings in this edition. I don't think we've seen a drop quite that uh, that sharp for a while, at least since the initial COVID lockdown. Um, we've heard a lot recently about business confidence globally being very low at, at this point of time, um, and also that a lot of tech companies around the world have been cutting their their um, their, their their global headcount. Um, with this loss of confidence, um, do you see any any signs that some tech powerhouses might begin to be struggling in places like uh, San Francisco or anywhere like that? Um, we don't see don't see that yet. I mean, I think this is likely to be uh, the, the 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 rating drop, or the is likely to be uh, a result of a general uh, nervousness um, given the uh, shocks we have at the moment in the world economy coming from the war in Ukraine. Um, and coming from the after effects of COVID and supply chain difficulties, um, energy inflation, etc. Um, so it's more likely to be that kind of general um, picture that's driving people's um, you know, views rather than uh, concerns particularly about tech companies. The thing about tech hubs and tech companies is that um, they are used to businesses upsizing, downsizing, failing, uh, moving on. Uh, and new companies coming coming out of that uh, that mix, um, and one of the things that drives um, performance in this area um, is is the clustering of people, um, and there's you know a fair amount of academic research demonstrating the cluster effect that where you have clusters of people, whether they are in technology or in finance or in uh, sales or whatever it is, you get innovation happening uh, simply through um, the, the clustering. Um, so I don't yet see um, a threat to the major centers of innovation. Indeed, San Francisco and you know, Los Angeles are doing very well uh, in this edition. Um, and I think it's much more to do with the general uh, view about the world economy and the shocks that we are facing. Mm. Perfect. Um, talking about uh, centers that have been doing quite well, um, I noticed you mentioned at Istanbul uh, in, in the report was one of the only centers in Eastern and Central Europe to improve its ranking edition. Mm -hmm. uh, um, given the massive levels of inflation we've seen in, in Turkey at the moment, why do you think uh, Istanbul is, is doing so well and what's caused this, this, this rise? 
I think that there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, um, you know, there's been a lot of investment in skills um, in in the country, and uh, and that is, I think, starting to pay off. The second um, is that there's a huge amount of investment in infrastructure, and so the quality of technical infrastructure uh, in Istanbul, alongside you know, the physical infrastructure, uh, has been improving over time. Um, so I think it is it, it's the it's the investment uh, that's been made in technology, both in skills and 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 hard infrastructure, uh, which is likely to be um, showing up uh, in the index results, um, and certainly in in the region. Um, maybe other centres have been more affected by uh, the current state in terms of the, the war in Ukraine. Um, and so that, that, that's my instinct as to what it is. Um, I'll be interested to watch the trend into the next editions of the SCI uh, and to see if that continues. Mm. Uh, thank you very much. Um, another question here. Um, Singapore has joined Hong Kong in the top 10 Asia-Pacific regions. Um, and we've heard in the past that Singapore has been an early supporter of the crypto world. But after the first big, big blow up of a, um, of a trusted uh, crypto exchange, FTX, recently, um, do you see this having a knock-on effect to its ranking in the next edition? And uh, related to that question, um, have we seen more support now uh, for centres who have focused on beefing up their regulation of, of crypto and, and, and similar sectors like that? Well, it's, it's an interesting set of questions, and you know, crypto is particularly big, uh, obviously, in finance, um, and this index goes quite a lot wider um, than, than just the financial aspects. Um, however, um, there are a number of uh, systems across the world which are aiming to regulate crypto assets better, um, and almost any where I'm talking to in the world um, is having a conversation about how crypto needs to be brought within uh, systems of regulation um, so as to offer um, protection to consumers um, and to make sure that um, you know, assets that are held in digital format um, are held safely. Um, and you know, Singapore is no exception that those conversations uh, are taking place. They're taking place in the regulatory systems in Singapore. They're also taking place between Singapore regulators and other regulators um, as regulators are trying to learn from each other uh, in this space. Um, and the, the fact of the collapse of FTX, you can take, I think, in two ways. Either um, that the regulatory system, which should have been ensuring consumer um, protection, uh, has failed there. Um, and, and the second one is that you know, in the development of um, new technology uh, industries, um, there are always some failures um, al along the way. And that was true of the dot-com boom, um, uh, but what came, what continued from there uh, were highly resilient industries. Um, but I think the, the question of regulators will be asking themselves is have we got a real handle um, on these new types um, of asset? Um, do we really understand um, how they are being financed? Do we really understand um, the way in which we need to um, regulate to ensure that such collapses don't happen? Thank you very much. Um, I've got another question here about um, Paris and London. Um, so I, I put an article up last week in our daily newsletter 
which mentioned that Paris has now got a larger stock exchange by value than, than London. And sitting here in London, I'm very pleased to see that uh, London is doing very well still in this edition of, of the index. But um, do you see any particular problems at the moment which London needs to focus on um, in particular in, in, in terms of innovation to help grow new tech companies and, and help them list here in London instead of elsewhere? Yeah, I think the, 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 the big thing that's facing the UK economy at the moment is uh, labour and skill shortages. Um, you know, we've been actually very good um, at attracting really high-skilled um, technical um, and scientific um, you know, people um, to work in the uh, London and the other parts of the UK in terms of um, the economy. Um, but there are signs that um, you know, we need to continue to work really, really hard to ensure that those people come uh, to London um, rather than necessarily going somewhere else. Um, we have the advantage um, of the English language, uh, which is you know, always an advantage um, in international uh, business, uh, but also in, in attracting international talent. Uh, and we need to hang on to that. Uh, but we need to continue to make London a welcoming place uh, for people to come to. Um, and the other, the other bit of this equation is that when you ask, uh, what, is, what do you need in the environment to ensure the development of technical uh, businesses uh, and innovative businesses uh, access to finance is one of the things which is frequently mentioned um, and london still has uh, a very large capital market a very liquid capital market um, so if you need investment uh, london is still a very good place to come um, and which of course applies to new york as well um, and so those kind of two things is having a really good supply of people uh, and a really good supply of money uh, seem to make the difference in terms of uh, a, a really good place to do technical work. Perfect, thank you. Um, I've got a question from Elizabeth Manelli here. Um, do you know why Boston has dropped so much in this edition? Um, I don't. I don't know what it is about Boston um, at the moment, which has um, meant that in this edition it, it, it dropped back a bit. Um, and you know, I'll be I'll be trying to find out. Um, but there's no obvious uh, reason why Boston fell in this edition. Um, I'll be watching for the next edition to see whether this is you know, a trend or whether this is simply um, a blip um, in, in the data on this occasion. Um, but those of you who think that Boston should be scoring higher, please go and take our survey um, and make sure that you uh, assess Boston alongside other centres uh, in terms of its strengths. Thank you. Um, and again, focusing on some more centres specifically, um, you mentioned earlier that uh, North American centres are doing particularly well in this index. Um, they, they've seemed to have read the word of the last six months particularly well um, for various reasons. Um, and quite a few have now overtaken Hong Kong in the index. Mm. Um, can you expand a little on the causes of that? And what could you say to Hong Kong um, that they need to do to try and re regain their, their top spot in the index? I think that, yeah, the, the first thing to say is that the results are quite close. So if you look at the rating uh, numbers, um, there's not, not very many points out of a scale of a thousand uh, separating uh, centers. Um, and so it's not as if there's been a, you know, the, the North American centers are pulling away um, from, from the others. 
Um, what I would say to Hong Kong is um, continue uh, to do what you've done recently by reopening your economy. Hong Kong has, um, for you know, really two years uh, after the uh, initial lockdown um, for COVID, uh, remained uh, closed to international travel, um, or rather had very strict quarantine arrangements in place, which meant that it was very difficult to envisage going to Hong Kong for business, um, as you were going to be quarantined for 10 days before you could then uh, move out. Now that um, has recently been lifted um, and the rules at the moment in Hong Kong is there's no formal quarantine but you're advised to stay away from public places like restaurants for three days after you arrive. So I, th I think this will start to make a difference in terms of Hong Kong's ability uh, to engage uh, with investment from the rest of the world, to engage with talent um, and potentially to regain some of the talent that appears um, to have lost to other centres in Asia uh, during the last couple of years. But the fact that the uh, economy is now opening up again, um, I think will um, prove a boost for Hong Kong. Thank you. Um, I think we've got time for one more question before we run up to time. Um, I was pleased to see that Malta was sitting at number 12 in this edition. Um, I've never seen Malta as, a, as, as probably a tech centre. I've been there diving a couple of times. But um, I don't see it as a as a, a centre for, for for tech businesses as I would some other capitals in in Europe. Um, can you shed any light to what Malta is 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 doing right at the moment and and how how they're doing so well at attracting business over over towards them? I think what Malta are doing is is they've been good at attracting people uh, and investing again in skills and and the, 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 one of the things which seems to be coming out of the results is this question of the extent to which you've invested in skills development um, and people, uh, either by attracting people to your centre from other places or by home, home, home growing uh, your talent, uh, is a key determinant um, of how well you'll be performing in the Smart Centres Index. The other things matter as well, uh, but human capital does seem to be um, a, a major factor uh, in what is driving uh, development and innovation. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Mark. Um, we're pretty well out of questions, so I think we will pause there for this edition. But Mike, thank you so much for uh, for talking us through the edition this this year. Um, it was fascinating, and and to be honest, it's been a there's there's some good news stories in there as well. There's a lot of doom and gloom in the news at the moment, but um, a lot of certain seem to be doing very well and and kind of weathering the storm as it were. So. Um, well done to all those who are doing so well. Um, you can see up on your screen here the um, Smart Standards Index survey link. Um, if you're interested, please do head over there and have your say for the next edition of the Smart Standards Index, which will be released in May next year. Um, I've got a few rounds of thanks to say before we wrap up. First, of course, um, Mike, thank you so much to you for, uh, for presenting today. Um, it's been a real pleasure and it's been a pleasure to chair this session for you. Um, again, thank you so much for our sponsors who uh, let us range so widely and freely and, and put all the, these reports together and uh, give them out publicly uh, to all. Um, and then finally, thank you so much for the audience today for, uh, for sitting with us and, and sending in, in your questions. Um, of course, as always, we have a full webinar program coming up um, on Wednesday. Tomorrow, we've got the elephant in the room, software risk and uh, Digital resilience, which will be of interest to this audience. Um, on Thursday, um, we have uh, the National Audit Office coming in to give us um, 
a webinar on how does government use corporate finance techniques to support taxpayers. And finally, again, very much of interest to this audience, this Friday we have a conversation on Tallinn. Um, and I think I found out the other day that per capita, um, Estonia has the highest number of uh, tech unicorns or any other place in the world, not just in, in the EU. So that's one to uh, to watch out for. But um, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, for listening, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at another webinar very soon.